of Hashem, we are learning about the Kama Daf Mem Tes. We left off on top of Daf Mem Tes, four lines from the top of the Amid. We're going to begin with the Gemara. We already spoke out the beginning of the Gemara when we learned the Mishnah, that the Mishnah began with the case of Shoir Shohoya Mishavim Lechaveroi Vihika Esa Isha. And as we pointed out, that really the din, that if an ox caused a woman to lose her fetus, the Torah excluded payment from the owner of the shayr, that the owner of an ox never pays for the mevalodos, it has nothing to do whether the ox intended to cause a woman to abort or not. Why did the Mishnah use those words? Says the Gemara, time of the and It appears from the wording of a Mishnah that why is the Baal HaShoyed exempt? Only because he intended not to hurt someone else or to hurt another ox. It can be. We had his opinion on Dafmen Beis. And let's quickly review what we learned, which is important. And again, when we learned the Mishnah in the last year, we spoke out. First of all, when it says, So many have the limud, However, let's say like this. Rav Adab Arahava has a couple of dinim. Din number one. He doesn't hold of Tana Dei He holds that we don't say by Kamalei Medarabamine that even if there's no actual Chi of Misa, you, know, you don't have to pay the money. He doesn't hold of that. You only say Kamalei Medarabamine when there is actually a Chi of Misa. Number one. Number two, there's a Machlekes between Abshimen and the Chachamim. It's good to review these things. What happens if Neschaven Laharigazeh Vaharigazeh? What's the din over there? Chachamim hold, if a person intended to murder, even if they got the wrong victim, since there was kavana to murder, the chayv misas beizden. Rav Shimon holds that you know when you chayv misas beizden, only if you kill the person who you intended to kill. So therefore, let's go back to the din. When it says, If the person intended to kill the woman, and he actually killed her, then he won't have to pay the Mevel Because here is Chayev Misa. If Reuven wanted to kill Shimon, and they accidentally killed the woman, even if she died, even if she died, there's not going to be, there's, there's still going to be a Chiv to pay for the fetuses, because there's no Chiv Misa's basin. So, the whole concept of a person being exempt to pay the Mevel Whenever there's going to be a case where there's a chi of misas based in, that is what's unique to Adam and, and not to Shvarim. Because by a shor, there's never chi of misas based in. If my ox kills another person, there's a chi of kaifer, but there's no chi of misas based in on the mazik. So the anashim v'loy shvarim, according to Rav Ada, is not used to exempt the Baal HaShoyed. What does he use? He uses what Rabbi Yisai Aglili uses. That it says, Ubal HaShoyed Naki, is used to tell you you never paid the Mevel others. The bottom line is, is that he learns that even if they had Kavana to kill the Isha, and the woman dies, and the fetus dies, you're still part of to pay the Mevel others. By Adam, that intended to kill a woman, and kills the woman and her fetuses, there he won't pay the Mevel others, because that's the case of Kamle Medarabimine. But the bottom line is, is that the Baal Hashayr is always exempt. So why did the Mishnah have to say, to kill someone else, even if he kill, wanted to kill the woman, and she dies, and the fetus dies, the owner of the shayr 
will have to pay Kreifer for the killing of the woman if he was a Muad. But he'll never pay the Mevelodos, Amalach Ravada Barahava, and a Hanami. Who had been that feeling is Hamnali Isha, Nami, Pturamid Mevelodos. An owner of an ox never pays for a aborted fetus that happens through his property, through his ox. It's again for symmetry, either the Kabayil and Mishnah Seifa. Since the Mishnah later speaks about the din of the Pasik, of the Chi Anashim, and over there, Adam Shahim is Chavan there him having Kavana is relevant, is relevant. Because if he would have kavana to kill the woman, and he killed the woman and the fetus, he would not pay the mevel others. So there, his kavana is relevant. But now, if an ox killed a a slave woman, the yotzah and she lost her child, even though we just learned that the Baal Hashoid never plays for the Mevelodos, says Rav Papa, that's only if we're speaking about a free woman. But if the ox killed the fetus of a Shifcha, here Mishalim the Mevelodos to the owner of the Shifcha. My Tama, why is that? Because Hamarta Ma'abarta Ba'almuhu. We consider the ox that was damaged as property of the owner that was damaged. Like the, the animal of someone else who was damaged. And the din is that there you do pay for the fetus. Because if my ox gores your ox and it causes your cow and it causes your cow to lose the fetus, I am chayv to pay for you because the whole thing is viewed as a monetary thing. And how do we know that? Because the armor crow... Huh? Shifchan, if for this din is viewed, it's a chumra. Because it says, right in Parshas Vayera, by the Akeda, that Avram Avinu tells, he was there with Eliezer and Yishmol. But here we are focusing on what he told Eliezer. Eliezer was Eved Avraham. And he tells him, stay in Hachamoyer. That's completely irrelevant. What he meant to elude is, Am Hachamoyer, Am Hadim Elachamoyer. And here again, we're using this, God forbid, not in a derogatory way. We're using this in a halachic way as a chumrah. That if my ox killed a shifcha or her fetus, even only the fetus or both, for this din, we don't allow the Baal Hashar to be off the hook, not to pay the chiddush. Why wouldn't you have to pay? Here you do have to pay. Because since it's a slave, a slave is also considered something of value to the owner. You buy a slave, you sell a slave. So it makes sense that the Vlada should be like someone's animal who's pregnant and therefore the owner has to pay. Kate said, Mishalom the Mevelodis. We had on a mission a very important machlaikis. How do you evaluate the, the Mevelodis? And here we're going to go into details. So as we learned in the Mishnah. No, 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 no. Nothing to do. No, no. Neschaven is just for a symmetry. We don't care about Neschaven, and just to know that the din doesn't apply to a shifcha. Now, Ketem Shalom is how do you make the evaluation? So again, if you remember the Sudyan Daf Mem Zayin, normally we evaluate things to the benefit of the mazik, which is whenever you include more things together, and then one part of it is missing, so then the price goes down a little bit. If you view everything separately, it's normally a higher price. The Tanakama says you don't just look at the price of a fetus, how much would a person pay for a fetus, 
No, you look at the woman who's pregnant, how much is she worth pregnant, how much is she worth when she's not pregnant, that difference would be less than how much would a person pay for a fetus. And that's the way the Chachamim hold you make the evaluation. So says the Gemara, one second, the, the Chachamim only spoke about the Mevelodis, which is, again, the difference between her pregnant, her not pregnant. What about Shevach Velodis? Shevach Velodis means that the woman herself, because of her being pregnant, because of her being more, let's say, more robust, she herself has a greater value. Now, she is robust because of her being pregnant. So, says the Gemara, Shevach Velodis mi Why don't you also include that in the Mei Velodis? Let's read inside the Rashi. The Mevelodais, Shevach Velodais, it's one, it's five lines going down from the Gemara. Diktani, it says in the Mishnah, Shaman Eso Isha. The Yesh Bechlal Shumazu, the Mevelodais. Really, when you make this question in a slave market, how much is a woman worth pregnant or not pregnant? There are two things that go into account of the Cheshbon. One is, says Rashi, the Mevelodais. The fact that she has, a, she's carrying, so she has more value, and also that also is part of the cheshbon. So in the Gemara Hachinami says the Gemara. One second, I'll speak. Hachinami ka'amar said mishalom So now we're learning a chiddush that when the Tanakama says that the person, the Baal Hashoyer who's chayif to pay the Baal Ha'isha, the Mevelodais, that doesn't only include the fetus, that also includes the difference of her first being more robust, and now she's less robust. That Shaman Ha'isha Kameyofa Achalayolda, the Kameyofa Mishayolda, you evaluate both. And let's read inside Rashi, Shaman Ha'isha Kameyofa Yofa Vishvelodais Halolu, Achalayolda, the Kameyofa Achshav, Kishin Esroiknam, and all of that is given to the husband. Now that's a huge Kiddush. The fact that all of this only goes to the husband is a Gezeda Sarkos. Because if not for the Pasik, you would argue that just like when a man is Mazik a woman, we learned that before, let's read inside Rashi. When a man is Mazik a woman, a married woman, the Nezek does not go to the husband. Nezek and Saad, we learned, goes to the woman. Now really, it's not so simple. Let's read inside details now, something that we didn't speak out when we learned this last time. says, Rashi, v'niska shalisha. But if the woman got a, got, a, got a clop, she got a wound, and that is in the category of nezek, that goes, e'ne b'chal shumazu. Because, de'en kan el apchas reikon ho'uber. The only thing that is included in the meivuladois that goes only to the husband is her being now less robust. Aval kachash gufa machmasamaka. But her body getting weaker and Vinifchasudamel, now she's worth even less. Reikanis, that's in the category of Nezek. That's the Khidish Yaakov. And Ve'enoi Shalbal. And that doesn't go to the husband. Ela Keshar Chabala. And by the way, what is the din of a Chabala? What is the din? So we learned before together that Nezek and Sad goes to the woman. So Rashi actually here brings a Gemara in Ksubis. And he says that when we say that Nezek goes to a woman, a married woman, it doesn't mean that all of it goes to the woman. It depends. Another detail. If a woman got damaged in a place that's called Seyser, in a hidden place, then two-thirds of the damage goes to her, and one-third goes to the husband. If a man damages a married woman in a revealed and exposed place, then two-thirds go to the husband, and one-third goes to her. Tsar 
goes only to her. So forget about the details of summit. The point is like this, that when the trader is machadish, that the mei others doesn't at all go to the woman. It only goes to the husband. The Gemara is clarifying that the Tanakhama holds, not only is that din of the Mevaladis Labal only on the Mevaladis, it also includes her depreciation because she's not robust anymore. And that's a huge chiddush because you would have thought that that should be part of the category of Nezik, which should go, again, when we say to her, we'll only say to her because that's the words of Chazal, but Taka doesn't mean only to her. Nezik goes most to her, some to the husband, Tzad goes only to her. The point is she doesn't get anything of it. Very good. Now that is the Tanakama. Now that's very important to remember that. So the Tanakama, on one hand, was lenient because he doesn't evaluate the fetus per se. He includes the fetus in the woman. But on the other hand, the Tanakama's Machmer, he's saying that the Mevalodos includes the fetus and her being now less robust. Mamash, when he says, how much is a woman worth pregnant? How much is she worth when she's not pregnant? But, if she also got a wound, and now she's worth less because of the wound, that is only Nezek, and that already goes, Le'isha. Or he takes some of it, but she keeps most of it. Now, says Rashi Gamliel, Imkein, Oy Bazoi, that this is the way you make the evaluation, how much was she worth pregnant, how much is she worth now? Misha Ho'isha, Yoyledes, Mashbachas, a woman increases... After she gives birth, my Ka'amar says to Gemara, what are you talking about? A woman increases after she, after she gives birth? I would argue that a woman who's pregnant is worth more. Amar Abba says, Rabbi, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he means. Hachi Ka'amar, v'chi isha mushbachas koidem shetelid, yoisin melaachar shetelid. Is a woman worth more before she gives birth? Is a pregnant woman worth more in the market? Nisht, v'haloi isha mashbachas laachar shetelid, yoisin mekoidem shetelid. Because of the mortal, mortal danger of childbirth, yeah, a person would actually pay more for a woman that's not pregnant than for a woman who's pregnant. Yeah, that's a good point. Ella, how do you evaluate it? Uh, the Gemara is going to say it in a moment. Ella, Shaman and you evaluate only a fetus. And only that is given to the husband. Now, understand the following. That here, now that we just learned the previous suga, and let's use the words of the Gemara, there's, there's the Dmei Velodos, and then you have the Shevach Velodos. Rashbag doesn't include the Shevach Velodos. Only the fetus. According to Rabshon and Gamliel, her being more robust and now less robust, that's part of Nezek. And that is given to her and to him. On the other hand, he's more machmer, that when you look just at the value of a fetus, the fetus per se now is worth more. How much would a person pay for a fetus? Whatever that number is, it depends on so many variables. But you have to evaluate it according to that case. Say she was in her ninth month. Every case is a case. How much, if a person in the market were to be offered the opportunity to buy the fetus, how much would he pay? That is given only to the Baal. Tanya Nami Now, even though the Braisa is not written with the name, the Gemara understands, using it as a Raya Terabo, that this Braisa is authored by Rashbag. And the Braisa explicitly says, You only evaluate fetus? How much is the fetus worth? And you give it to the husband. That is Rabba. Rabba has a different opinion. Rabba Amar, Hachi Amar. The Chiisha, let's add a very important word. Only Lemisha Yeledes Mashbachas. 
ve'ein la'atzma b'shvach ve'lodes klum. Rab Shimon ben Gamliel is arguing exactly with that which we spoke out in the Gemara. Rab Shimon ben Gamliel is not arguing whether she is worth more, pregnant or not pregnant. Rab Shimon ben Gamliel is arguing that shevach ve'lodes should not only go to the husband, and doesn't make sense. Her being more robust, because she now is, is more robust, she's heavier, that's the Mevel others. How is that the Mevel others? Yes, the fetus caused her to gain weight, but so you can say that the husband has part of it, but not all of it. Ella, he argues explicitly, that you only give the husband the value of the fetus, but the Shevach is Cholkin. Cholkin doesn't mean Nezek, like we spoke on Anashi from Ksubis, two-thirds to the woman and one... No, Mamash Cholkin. No, since her being more robust is partly from the fetus and partly from herself, that whatever that, however you evaluate that, is split down in the middle. Gavaldik. And Tanya Nami Hachi. So it's really a whole, it's a big machlekes, what did he say? That Rav Shemegam and here the Brai clearly says Rav Shemegam that Vichiyisha, again let's add the words only, Lemisha your leathers mashbachas. Her being more robust is something that the husband should be the only exclusive owner. And again, Nezek, as we spoke on Anashi, has nothing to do with her being more or less robust. Nezek means that normally, why did she lose the baby? Because she got a hit that wounded her. The wound is one cheshman. And as we spoke out, two-thirds to her, one-third to the husband. Or if it, the wound was in a, 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 a revealed place... That's Nezek. And, and that goes some to him and to her. And the Tsar, and Tsar, you should know, only goes to her. And so that's separate. And now, you only make an evaluation how much a fetus is worth, and that's given to the Baal. And her being more or less robust, that's divided in half. The problem is like this that being that the Gemara. Which, and the Gemara will not challenge the presumption that the previous Braisa that was brought, Tanya Nami Hachi, like Rava, is authored by Rajbag. So now you have a contradiction. What exactly is the opinion of Hashem Ben Gamliel? So the Gemara now answers something that we spoke at at the end of the last year. That when Hashem Ben Gamliel also challenged the Chachamim, that a woman who's pregnant is worth less, that's not always. That's only when she's pregnant for the first time. It's all about futures. Once a woman gave birth once before, yes, there's a risk. And yes, people would not pay a lot more, but they would pay more because she's pregnant. Like Khan, the first Braisa, where he challenged the whole concept of her not being worth anything more because she's worth less. That's only the Nivakedes. She's carrying a baby for the first time. And Vikan, the second Braisa, is speaking about She'enim Nivakedes. That even when she's a Nomivakeres, the reason why Rashbag disagrees with the way the Chachamim evaluate her, very simple, because even if she's worth more pregnant, Rashbag says she's not only worth more because she's pregnant, she's also worth more because she's more robust. Well, that's something that doesn't go only to the husband. So even if she's not pregnant for the first time, you have to just ask, how much is the fetus worth? That is the only din that the trader says, the mei v'ladois, goes exclusively l'bal ha'isha. Everything else is evaluated the way we spoke out. I, v'rabanan da'amri, that shevach v'ladois also only goes to the husband, my tamo. 
L'chayra, I mean, why, why would we say that? So, kidetan, and really it's kidetan. There's a b'raisa. Nemash, mashanemar, the b'raisa says, as it says in the Pasuk, v'yotzi yilodeham, again, quoting the Pasuk, v'yotzi yilodeham, Pasuk of Beis, v'chi yinotzu anashim, v'nagafu, ishahara, v'yotzi yilodeham. Why did the Torah have to say the words, ishahara? If the Torah would have said, v'nagfu, isha, v'yotzi yilodeham, that they, instead of hitting, Reuben didn't hit Shem and he hit a woman and she aborted. If she aborted a fetus, we know she was pregnant. Why did the Torah have to say the word hara? Ah, the Chachamim learned, that's a b'raisa. That's to tell you that Sheva Chirayon, that her being more robust, her having more value because of her being pregnant, that is also included in the parsha of that Baal Ha'isha, that all of that goes to the husband, Virajbag, who says that you divide it. Hi, Hara, my daughter, So, he uses the word Hara for that which we learned that Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says, right, the Kavanaki, that Lo'olam in Achayev, Acheyakeno, Keneged Beis, Hahiroyon, that the whole, the whole, when do we say that a man who strikes a pregnant woman, who causes her to abort has to pay the demevolodus to the husband. That's only if he hit her near her womb. It clarifies Rav Papa. Don't think it's only on her womb. Leitema only keneged beisirayin mamish. Ella, what he means, what the Braisa means, is kolhecha desolik beishichma levlad. Any place where if the person gets a blow, the heat of the blow goes right away to the, to the womb which means any place on the torso. However, if one person strikes a woman on her hand or her foot, on her extremities, and that developed complications which ultimately led for her to lose the child, that's called again grama. That's not called direct. So that's what the word hara means. But now we have a gavaldika machloikis, whether shevach velodois is only lobal, that ashitas chachamim, versus rashbag, that they hold that cholkim. Vaitim. Now, hoiser shivcha v'nishtachera oigir is potter. Again, as we spoke out the case in the Mishnah, let's review it. That if, for, number one, the, the chiddush of the mevelodus lebal means means it only goes to the bal. Now, if after the woman was struck, if then the husband died, the money cannot be given to the husband. It only goes to his heirs because it belongs to the bal. But what happens if he has no heirs? So the examples the Mishnah gave was that she was a shifcha that just got emancipated. Really, that's not negeya. It doesn't matter her status. But like Rashi in the Mishnah spoke out, it was just common that a woman who got emancipated would marry an Evid who got emancipated. And that's the key. That the husband was either an Evid that's emancipated, Ger, or a Ger. And they had no children after he became a Ger. Because if he would have children after he became a Ger, he has Yarshim. The point is that if he has no heirs, then since all of the nichse hager is automatically hefker, the mazik is the one that zoicher from hefker. The mazik doesn't have to pay. So comes along Rab and he tells you a big chiddush. Omar ah, That's only true if the man aborted the fetus when the husband, the ger, was living. So he owed the money to the ger. Now that the ger dies, he has no heirs. So the mazik is zoicher from the ger. Uh, and, and then Umay Sager, even the Chaval Baba Chaya Hager, since there was a time where there was a Chiyuv to the Ger, now Zachapuhu Ger, so the Ger, so to say, owns it, 
It's amazing, even though there was no dentrity yet, but you can say that retroactively it came from the wound while there was this abortion, aborted fetus, the husband, the ger was alive. And the Hebrew, the Mesa ger, the mazik is zoich. Avol says that if he wounded her, if he caused the miscarriage after her husband died, the chabalo was la'achar misa sager. Means from the time of the wound, she wasn't married anymore. So Rabbah says, Zachyo lo ihi bigavayum. She is the one that now is the owner of the demevaladis, and she's alive. So machayev l'shalumi balididah, he has to pay her. To which comes Rabchizdah, and you'll understand Rabbah when you'll hear what Rabchizdah says, Mare dichi, like Rebbeinu Shalei, master of this teaching. Atu v'ladis tzraninu. Are the v'ladis considered bundles of money? That if he dies, she owns it? It's not pshat that the husband owns the fetus. Which is why, if the fetus gets, God forbid, killed, you have to pay the husband. No, a fetus doesn't belong to anyone. After a person kills the fetus, the traitor's machadish, that you have to monetize that, and that is a debt that belongs to whom? To the husband. That's the way Rabchizda learns it. But that is only something that belongs to the Baal. If there is no Baal, you owe it to, you owe it to no one. No, it's how do we view the din that the Mevalad is Labal? According to Rabba, we view it as an extension of the fact that the trader considers the man who got her pregnant, so to say, the owner of the fetus itself. And therefore, if he owned the fetus and he died, so she owns the fetus, she yarshined it from him. But Rabchizda says, no, no one owned anything. It's a monetary obligation that begins after the fetus is killed. And that's something that the traders only mechaiv to give to the husband. And if there is no husband, you're chayiv to pay no one. The Ella is If the husband is alive, you have to pay the husband. There's no chayiv to anyone. So says the Gemara, this kasha is going to be a challenge on Rabbah. And they learned in Abraisah, if a man hit a woman, and he caused her to abort, we had this Abraisah together, and so it's good that we spoke out the Gemara in Ksubis, because when we learned we just said all the Tzad and Nezek goes to the woman. As we said, Labdavka, Tzad to the woman, Nezek is divided, but she definitely gets a part of it, and in many cases she gets the majority of it. However, the Mevel says the Braisa that only goes to the Baal. And the Braisa says, Ain't a Baal. If the husband is not living, you give it to his heirs. Ain't a Isha, Saru Nezek to the woman. The woman died, then you give it to her heirs. And then the Braisa said the case of our Mishnah. That says the Braisa Zacha. What does Zacha mean? The damager is Zacha. So what's the question? Just like in the case of Tsar, he chapted. Now just like by Tsar Unezek Leisha has nothing to do whether she was married or not, the din that Tsar Unezek goes to the woman and if she dies it goes to her heirs. So the Havamina is the din of the Mevelodis Labal has nothing to do whether the Baal was living or not. And Luchura, since the Braitha did not differentiate, they should all be the same. And it comes over there that even if he was no longer living when the Nezek happened, like Rab Chizda, the Mazak doesn't have to pay. Kasha against Rabbah. So Amridi answered, Umi Adifa Mimas Nisan. Why 
Do you have to say that the Bryce is speaking about all cases? Let it be explained just like we explained our Mishnah. The Oikimna, that only only then according to Rabbah. But if the man hit a woman when she was already a single woman, the husband already died, according to Rabbah, then you have to pay her. Hachinami, that where does the Braisa say that the mazik is zoicha? It's only But if he was mazaker when the, the ger died, Rabbah holds she is zoicha in the schus of the naval others, and you have to pay her. One answer. However, turning to the don't say zoicha the mazik, say zoicha she is zoicha. And the first Taisvis is very important. We're not changing the vowels in the Braisa. We're not adding a letter Saf. No, no, no. When the Braisa says Zacha, it doesn't mean the Mazik. And according to Rabbah, it's self understood that the Zchus in the Deneval Adais is inherited by the woman if the husband dies. So obviously she gets it. Now, Lema says the Gemara. Who says he needs a kapara? No, 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 no. It's only mana, money. We're looking at this as money. Let's go right. Neymar says, Perhaps, How do you view the Mevelodis Labal? Is it that the husband owns the fetus, so to say? And as an extension, he gets the money. Then there's a, then there's a logic to say that if he dies, she owns the fetus. Or no one owns the fetus. The chiv to pay money is a chidosh of taira. And it was only given to our husband if he's living. And if he's not living, there's no obligation to pay to begin with. And it says in Abraisa, If there was a Jewish woman, says born Jewish, a ger is also Jewish. So when we say Jewish, we mean someone who was born Jewish, married a ger, and she gets pregnant from him, and someone damaged her and she aborted her baby while the ger, the husband, is living then noisen the mevelodis ger. here, clear if the man hid her after the ger died we're speaking about a ger that has no heirs so there's two braises tani chada chayev chayev to pay the tani chada you put her to pay clearly my love tanoi so says the gemara let rabba holds that la'achar misa saber potter, according to Rab, it's not true. Because why potter? You have to pay the woman. So it must be vaday tanoi. There's no way Rabbi can explain the potter other than there's a shita that doesn't hold like him. That holds that the man doesn't own the fetus, the woman doesn't inherit the fetus. The chiyuf, to pay for abortion, is something that the trade is machadish that you have to do to the husband. And if there's no husband, there's no chiyuf. Oh, elo l'rab chizda. Rabchizda, however, will have a way to explain it. Rabchizda says that you have to pay the woman. You have to pay the woman. But still, he can explain that both prices go according to his opinion. Rabchizda holds, I'm sorry, that you have to pay the woman. There's no chiyuf. Pater works. But he explains, which means like this, that here, Gavaldik, the Braisa is not only, or here, not dealing with the loss of the fetus. Here, the Braisa is speaking about the Shevach Velodois. Ah, the Shevach Velodois, the Chachamim in our Mishnah hold, the Shevach Velodois also go exclusively to the husband. Rabchiz, the Lishitasai, holds that none of this is because they own anything. It's something that, if it happens, you have to pay the husband. 
Now that the husband died, you're completely putter. You're putter to pay for the vlad, like Rabchizda, and included in that, you're putter to play her being more robust before and her lo- less robust now. That's part of the Mevilodis. However, the Tandatana that says you're chayiv, even according to Rabchizda, ah, that's different. Rabchilming Amliel holds, Cholkin. That means some of that goes to her. Here we're going to hold that you're chayiv not only to pay her half. Chayiv to pay her the other half as well. No, since it's something that she already has part of, here we say, even according to Rabchizda, her being more or less robust is something that she owns, so to say. Gavaldik. And now that she's not married, and she got a, an abortion, for the baby no one pays anything, for the baby. But her depreciation, that goes fully to her. Let's read it inside. Gavaldik. One second. If the Braises are speaking about Shavach Valadis, even when the husband is alive, she gets some of it. So the Gemara says, yeah. The half that serves, we're not talking about. Mechaim is Palga. But the other half goes to the husband. The meaning of the Braise here, when it says, you're Chayiv, Potter from the fetus, Chayiv, all of the Shavach Valadis. Lachamis, she gets all of the Shabbat Valadis. I'll tell you even more. Ah, Instead of saying one is the Chacham, one is the Shabbat say the both are the Shabbat Beautiful. And therefore, the Brice is only speaking about Shabbat Valadis. The Brice that says Chayiv is only speaking about Chayiv, Shabbat Valadis. The Brice that says Potter is speaking about the Dmei Valadis. One second, Omri, they asked that. If you are agreeing that the woman will get all of her Shabbat Valadais, so why should that not prove that Rabbi is right? That it is something that could be monetized, her losing a child, and that's something that the woman should inherit. Why are we differentiating the fetus itself doesn't go to her, and her Shabbat Valadais, why should that go to her? This should be a simon. If the Shevach Valadis is something that she gets, then she should get everything. And even according to the Chachamim. So they explained, they answered not. Shevach Valadis, since the Shaycho Yoda Bigavayu, since she already has a hand in it, Bechaya Habal. That's the sheet of Rabbi who says, Cholkin, therefore, now that the husband died, it makes sense to say she owned half. Now she'll own all of it. But since, according to everyone, the pure value only of the fetus is only the husband's, when the husband was alive, so here Rabchizda will stand his shita that this is not something that belongs to anyone, it's a schus that Hashem only gave to the husband, and when the husband dies, very good. Now that the Gemara mentioned this whole case of a ger dying, and he died before he had children, after he converted, so he has no heirs, did a mazikin, we're going to speak about other dinim. Boyi minei rabieva sava mirav nachman. Rabieva, the elder, asked the following question of Rav Nachman. Hamachzik bishtoiroisav shal ger. Now here we're going to learn the sugya l'shitas Rashi, which is very difficult to understand. Rashi is speaking about not a document that proves that the Ger owns land. Again, the Ger dies, he has no heir, so it's Hefker. And now the question is, So other Rishonim learned, the question is, if you grab those documents, is that considered the Kenyan in the Karka or not? 
And as we'll see soon, that's for sure not. The only question is, did you, were you in the document itself? The paper has value. The papers were used as corkscrews. They were made out of his parchment. Rashi says that here we're speaking about a case that someone owed the Geir money. There was a malva. The Geir was the borrower. And the, the, someone owed, the, someone lent the Geir money. So therefore, the, that person has a lien on his property. The lender. And here, you're a machzik of shulger, zaktrashi, sheshibad lo yisrael achar kakri yosef. The opposite. That another Jew, the ged lent, the ged was the lender. So therefore, the ged had a lien on the borrower's property. And these shtarais are that which gives him the lien. That's the way Rashi learns. And the ged dies. Now think about it. If the ged dies, that's, that's the question on Rashi. Lachora, what happens to the loan? The, the loan should automatically fall away. If the loan falls away, then the lien falls away. Don't forget, a lien on property is only an outcome of a, of a debt. But anyways, that's the way Rashi learns. Rashi learns that there was a debt. There was money that was owed to the ger, which gave the ger a shibud and that person's karka. That's documented in the loan document. And came another person and chapped that document. So says Mahu, do we say man damachzik bishtara? The person who grabbed the document never wanted the document. That person only wanted the land. Now the land he will not get. Because, as we mentioned, because he didn't grab the land itself. Document is not land. That's a rule. If you want to make a kinyan in Nikhsei Hager, you got to make a kinyan, a chazake, in the nechassim themselves. Not in the document that represents ownership. So, the land you did not acquire. And again, the kasha is that you shouldn't have required the land no matter what, even if you have the land itself. The land should automatically go back to the lender. Because the lender is the one that was zoichet the loan from Hefker. Kasha Nashi. But the point is like this, that the land you're not zoichet. The document itself, why would the chapper not acquire the paper of the document? Because the lavdate yashtara. Because maybe he didn't intend to own the document. He only wanted to own, to grab that which the document represents. Or do we say that the Caesar also had in mind to be Zoycha the document, even though he was not Zoycha the land, he's at least Zoycha the document. So the document should belong to the person who grabbed it. That is what he asked of Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman tells Rabbi Eva Sava, Ani Moiri, answer me this. Why do you even think that a person who grabs a document had in mind the paper itself? Why, does he need the paper to, to close his bottle of wine? So Amalei, so Rabbi Yehuda says, yeah, yeah, lotzard, but lotzard. You have to understand, Pasha, historically, that Nachman was very wealthy. So he never, he didn't need papers, you know, that's a, 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 a poor solution. So he never fell in his head that someone can chop a document because you need the paper itself. But Rabbi Yehuda Sava obviously wasn't on that level of wealth. So he says, yeah, maybe a person grabs a document. He wanted both. And even though you're not successful for the land, because you're only kind of a nichse hager, if you make a king on the nichse hager themselves, not on documents, but maybe the paper you, you own. Okay, so that's, so the question is unanswered. Now we're going to continue with similar questions. So Amar Rabba, Mashkoinoi shall Yisrael biyadger. Clear, if a Jew, someone who's born J Jewish, Borrowed money from a ger. A Jew borrowed money from a ger. 
And therefore, he needed to give the ger a maskin. What happens, umay sager. The ger who's holding on to the maskin, the ger dies, ubay yisrael achar, and that other Jew, here it's not about a document, that other Jew seized the maskin. So the din is metzino yisimi yadai, that a third person. That third person for sure loses. Why? My tama. Even the mace lay ger. Since the ger died. And the Jew borrowed money. That's the question on the previous Suganashi. So if a Jew borrowed money to a ger. If a Jew owes money to a ger. He's the first one that seizes that loan. The ger died. So he no longer owes it. If he doesn't owe it. So then the maskin is automatically his. The moment the debt is cancelled. The liens are automatically dissolved because the lien is only an extension of the, of, the, of the debt. So that's for sure that you know who owns the mashkin, the original owner. The third party doesn't get it. However, what happens in the opposite? If mashkoinai shall get it. Yeah. Mashkoinai shall get biyad Yisrael. Here it's the opposite. A ger held cup. A ger borrowed money from a Jew. The ger owes money to a Jew, and he gave him a mashkin. Umeis hager, and the ger died, and came a third party, and he made a king in the mashkin. Now, obviously, if the mashkin is only enough money to cover the debt, then of course the third party gets nothing. The ger owes money to the Jew. At least the Jew already has the mashkin. Here we're speaking about a case that he gave him a mashkin that's worth a lot more than the debt. So the Jew that, was, that had it in his possession didn't seize it now. It was laying in his possession. He only had a lien of the amount of the loan. That is his. The question is, if the maskin is worth more, does the third party acquire that addition? So says the Gemara that there, obviously, the lender, the Jew that's still living, he definitely owns in the maskin the value of the loan. However, the Caesar was kainashar. Unless the Jew physically took it, then you're kinda from Hefker. Asks the Gemara, doesn't make sense. We learned many times there's something called King and Chatzar. And Chatzar is kinda la'adam afilo shalom edatai. So va'amai, tikrin lay chatzeroi, domer abiyasi berabchanino, chatzeri shaladam kinda shalom edatai, even if the lender, the Jew, didn't know that the ger died. So what? The ger died, all his belongings are Hefker. The Mashkin, the Jew lent the money in this case. The, the Jew was the lender, very good. And the Mashkin is with the lender as a security. It's in his Chatzar, even though he doesn't know that the Ger died. So what? King and Chatzar should work regardless. Amri, they answered, and it must be, look at the initial Chiddush, that the Jew, the lender, the lay say he's not in the city, he's not here. So what? So call Hechad Isali the day, wherever he would be in town, however you define that. The Eboyim Makne, Matsi Kane, if he would want to physically take possession of it, he would be able. Only then do you say, Kanyale Namechatzeri. Only then do you say that Chatzeri Shaladim Kainalai. We're going to learn the sugya with the opinion that a Chatzer works Mitam Shlichus. A Shliach cannot do something more than the Mishalayach. 
So only when the Meshaleach could have done it, technically because he's here, there we say that his chatzot is kind of for him. But wherever he technically cannot do it, we're going to challenge this, because he's physically not here. Because he's not here. then And that's why he said that, yeah, of course, the amount of the mashkin that is leaned, he owns, but not more. The Gemara says that's not correct. The Hilchaseh, even the Leiseh Bechatseiroi, only the halacha is that this din is only true if the mashkin was not in the chutzr of the lender, the Jew. Because if the mashkin would be in the chutzr of the Jew, even if he's not in town, even if we're going to learn chutzr mitam shlichus, and yes, a shliach cannot be greater than the mishaleach, but it doesn't mean that the mishaleach has to be able to technically do something. Wherever the mishaleach can halachically do something, the shliach can do it as well. The Mashalech can make a Kenyan. Just because he's not in town, it doesn't disempower him to make a Kenyan. He can't make a Kenyan technically because he's not here. But a person has a Kerch to do a Kenyan. So the Shliach has in his stead the power to make a Kenyan, which is the Chatzar. So if the Mashkin is on the Chatzar, then he's going to be kind of it. Where did we say this halach where the Mashkin is not on the Chatzar? That's something else. So there's no Kenyan Chatzar. The lender, the Jew, did not make a Kenyan. A third party grabbed it. Obviously, Bezin is going to take the Mashkin and sell it and first give the lender the money because he acquired it first simply because he was he owes the get owes money to him the loan doesn't the, the, the debt doesn't go away he has a mashkin but the remaining money goes to the chaper now however we have time we're starting the new sugya of boyd what a get sedek who did not have children after he or she converted that's the key so they have no heirs so when they die, everything is hefker. That's connected to the din we learned in the Mishnah, regarding Amazik the fetus. Okay, starting with the din of Boyd, we learned a lot about Boyd. We never learned the Mishnah yet. We're going to learn the Mishnah about a Boyd. Just to make it clear that we're going to learn over here the Mishnah. We're going to have a machlekes tanoim and abraisa between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Yishmol. Very important machlekes. But it's not clear exactly what is their machlekes. So there's going to be a machlekes amaroim, Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef, as what is the machlekes Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Yishmol. We don't have time to learn the whole thing. But whoever's learning now should really, we should remember this clear. We're going to learn today the Mishnah, the Gemara, Shita Sraba, and Emir Hashem. Tomorrow we'll start with a different way of understanding these dinam. Begins the Mishnah. If a person is, is digging a ditch, and they're digging it on an incline, even if the bottom of the hole, the body of the hole is in one's private domain, what counts by a bird is where the opening is. If the opening of the hole, which is the hazard of the hole, is opened in the Rishusarabim, and there, there's no machlekes about that, we view the whole bird is Rishusarabim. It's considered the bird Rishusarabim, or bird Rishusarabim is the classical case of bird. That if a person, the chayiftach ish bird, if a person uncovers a bird, or chayichra ish bird, if a person digs a pit, and someone falls, that's one Pasik. So the next Pasik says that Baal Haboir Yishalim Kesev Yashiv Lebaalav Vahamesi Yaloi. That's the Psukim that we have in Mishpatim in Perik Chof Aleph, Pasik Lamed Gimel, Lamed Aleph. Pasik Lamed Gimel begins with the case. Yiftach Ish, Yiftach doesn't mean to dig, Yiftach means uncover. Yiftach Ish Boir, Oichayichre Ish Boir, Venafal Shama Chamoir, Shoyre Chamoir, Pasik Lamed Aleph, Baal Haboir. 
very good. And then and the Pasik Lama Gimel, Pasik Lama Dalad, that a Bal Haboid is Yishalom Kesav Yoshev Lubaolav Amesi Yeloi. So the Mishnah begins that a Chayfer Berber Shusayachid. If the opening is Lurashusarabim, so you can read inside the first Rashi, Rashi says, Vikolchain im Chafar, the whole thing in the Rashusarabim, and the Pischai Lurashusarabim. No, the Chiddush of the Mishnah is, is that even though the body of the boy is in Shusayachid, don't view the boy as a boy in Shusayachid. And we'll get a lot more to that in the Sugya, what will be the din over there. No, what counts is where is the opening. So, the, so that's case number one in the Mishnah. Back in the Mishnah. Or, 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 the under, the, the bottom of the boy is in Shusayachid. The opening was in a Rishosayachet. When you dug the pit, it was in a Rishosayachet. And we always have to add now, and after the boy was there, the owner of the Rishosayachet gave up his ownership on all of the areas around the opening to the Rishosarabim. So now the boy is in the Rishosarabim, or from the Rishosayachet, Rishosayachet Acher. And this is only for symmetry. That, let's say, a person owned two separate properties. The bottom of the boy is on the one Rishosayachid. The top of the boy came out to another yard, the Rishosayachid. But again, after the pit was dug, the owner of the boy was mafkir, the area of land around the boy, allowing the rabbim to walk there. So now the opening of the boy is in a Rishosayachid. And all of these cases, says the Mishnah, that Chayev. That's the din of Chayev. The Nafal Shama Shoir Oy Chamoir. The Balaboyer has to pay money. Again, we learned many times already that there's a Chiddush in the Torah that if a person fell and got damaged there, you Chayev to pay. Chayev benezek Adam. But if a person fell and died, you're exempt. Not even of Kaifer. That's the din of Shoir Veloy Adam. And Chamoir Veloy Kalim, another Chiddush. And we, we explain the Chiddush because to begin with, my mammon being mazik is a Chiddush to begin with. Over here, my mammon did not do active damage because the definition of a boy is the boy is staying in one place. That which got damaged came into the pit. So the trader limits, you only have to pay for shayr or chamayr. Okay, begins the Gemara. Now again, here we have the Braisa. Here we're going to record a machloikis, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva. It's very unclear to understand what they're saying. Which is why we're going to have a machlekes amaraim to explain the price. We learned in the price. The first case of the Mishnah. A person dug a pit on an angle. The key is upischoy l'reshusarabim. Let us skip the parentheses as the marsha says to skip it. So but the first case of the Mishnah. And that's the key. That there's an opening of a pit that to begin with was dug out in the reshusarabim. Says Rabbi Shmuel Chayiv. That again, if a shoyr or a chamor falls in there, the bal haboyr is chayiv, vizehu boyr ha'amr batoyrah. This is the case of boyr. A boyr b'rishu sarabim. We'll see soon what he means by this. These are the words of Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Kiva Oimer, hifkir shusai. That if a person dug a pit, and he dug the pit in the rishu sayachid, the opening is in the rishu sayachid. And then he declared the areas around the pit, Hefker. But he maintains ownership in the pit itself. That is the boy who Amr Is he arguing with Rabbi Shmuel? What is he holding that if you dig a pit, your potter? Is Rabbi Kiva arguing with Rabbi, 
what's the machlekes here? It's mamish not clear. But they're both emphasizing that theirs is the case which is mentioned in the Torah. Which would mean that they are excluding another case. We have to clarify that. So let's begin with Rabba. Omar Rabba. No, each one is saying that this is the case of Boyd, which would imply only this case and not another case. So are they, are they arguing? Are they not arguing? Is one arguing? Are they both arguing with each other? Let's, we'll, see, we'll see soon a whole two different approaches. You know, actually learning one on one day, one on another day is even easier. Learn one approach. Says Rabba. That the Boyd, Rabba, Kola Alma, one make it clear that when Abakiva said the words Zeu Boyer Omar Bartreira, he doesn't mean to fight with Rabbi Yishmol. That whenever you dig a pit with a Shusarabim, which only means the Pesach with a Shusarabim, the fact again that it was Chayfer Ber with a Shusayachet is bechlali relevant, the way we're learning it right now. So when you have a pit with a Shusarabim, not that you owned it and you are mafker it, that Abada your Chayf and my tamo because the first pasuk and pasuk Perik of Aleph pasuk Lam Gimel begins Vichiyiftach. The Torah begins if a person uncovers a pit, or if a person digs a pit. So the Gemara Rabbi says, I have a simple question. If the Torah is revealing that if I uncover a pit, the Torah is calling on someone who uncovers. So if I made the pit, of course I'm Chayef. If for just uncovering a pit, you're chayiv, whatever that case would be, is al kiriya for digging a new pit like al shein. The Torah could have said Ella, why does the Torah use this double example? Shal In other words, the Torah makes it clear that it's not about owning a pit. It's nothing with owning it. The Torah added the word. It's only about. Did you create the hazard? So therefore, if you dug a pit with a shusarabim, you don't own it. It has nothing to do with the chiyuf of bird. You create a hazard with a shusarabim, everyone holds that you're chayyuf. So what is their machlekas? What are they talking about? Their machlekas is only in a case that Rabbi Kiva mentioned, which is that if a person dug a pit in their own property, and then they re-announced ownership, but they re-announced ownership only of the area around it, Rabbi Kiva holds that even though you did not renounce ownership on the land itself, simple, in other words, you, now there is a hazard, you're still going to be chayiv. And why is that? That's what he quotes the words, Baal Habayr, meaning even, even when there's a Baal Habayr, in Pasuk Lamadala that says that Baal Habayr Yeshalem, Baal Habayr literally means the owner of the pit. Not to tell you that if you don't own the pit, you're potter. Abada, like we said, if you create a hazard with a shusarabim, ownership is not negeya. Pasuk Lamadala is adding a chiddush. That you made everything but Rishusayachad. You are mafkir the area only around it. You are not mafkir the bird itself. There is a Baal Habayr. You own it. You owning it doesn't take you off the hook. Nothing to do. Even in a case where you own it. Now again, if you own the area around it, everything is different. If I own the area around the pit, who asked you to walk into my yard? Then I can create a hazard in my property. I cannot hold liable if a trespasser goes. That's something else. That was the whole previous Mishnah. But if you're mafkir, the area you're around it, and you're not mafkir, the bird, even, there is a, even though there is a bal habar, the bird, the isle, you also chayiv. 
Here is where Rabbi Shmuel argues. Rabbi Shmuel holds that Baal Hatakono, meaning that, let's read inside the Rashi, that the only time that you're Chayiv is if you created the hazard. You have to be Baal Habur, means the owner of the hazard, meaning you created the hazard. Rabbi Shmuel holds that if while or when you created the hazard, then the hazard was on your property. When you are mafkir, the, the area around it, you can argue, and Ashi speaks it out, if you want to look four lines in the bottom, in Rashi and Daphne Tessamit Beis, Abel Rabbi Shmuel holds, because the Kosovar, he holds that the owner of the bird can claim that ki afkarno loch reshusi. When I declare the area around the bird hefker, I only do it to do you the guys a favor. I didn't do it to the extent that I should now be chayiv if someone falls into my pit. I'm giving you rights to walk in that area, but you have to watch over your own stuff. Lav I didn't give up ownership to put myself. You know, you have to pay for a good deed. Ella be ella behezeka. Afkarte, uh, I was, I, I was not, I was, I told people, listen, if you guys want, you need more space, I have a place, I have a front yard, and people benefit, you guys have just to walk there. But in the case where I, when I created it, it wasn't a hazard, being mafkid area around the board, when I maintained the board. So you see, I'm maintaining ownership, I'm doing a favor, I'm not doing a favor to the point that I should be chayiv. Let's read it inside. I, the only problem is, again, here's the question. If that's the way we learn the Machlaikis, it means that Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Shmuel, everyone agrees in the case of Rabbi Shmuel. When you create a hazard, the question is, what happens if you created the hazard while it belonged to you? Here, Rabbi Kiva is extending the Chiyuf. He holds your Chayv more than Rabbi Shmuel. So why did Rabbi Kiva use the words, Zehu Boyer Omer Batayra? which appears to be an exclusionary word. It's only in my case. Here we're learning Pshat Rabbi Kiva's adding. Elamau zehu bara omer batayda. He is the one that's machayiv always. Dika omer Rabbi Kiva. So explains Rabbi, zehu boyer shepasach beyakosav tchilo letashlumen. There's a pasach lamed gimel and a pasach lamed dalet. Fakert. Rabbi Kiva is speaking about why did Hashem separate dini boyer and tupsukim. Pasik Lamad Gimel is Vichiftahish Boyd, Vichihri Ishboy. And as we learned in that Memtesamid base, why did the Tayyid give a case that's self-understood? If for uncovering Yachayev, Yachai for digging, that is to tell you you don't need to own it. So Pasik Lamad Gimel is speaking about the Khiv of Boyd is not about ownership, it's about creating a hazard in the Shosarab. That's Pasik Lamad Gimel. Pasik Lamad Dalid, Zehu Boyd Ha'amar Bartrayda, the Trayda added the words Baal Habur Yashalam. To tell you that there's another case. Fakir, Rabbi Kiva is adding a case. That even if when you created the hazard, it was not Mirashusarabim. But now the Rabbim have the right to go there, you still own the bar. Pasik Lamadalid is adding the case of Rabbi Kiva. To which Rabbi Shmuel disagrees. Rabbi Shmuel holds that Pasik Lamadalid is only a continuation of the case of Lamad Gimel. If you created it, Mirashusarabim, your Chayif. Taka, it's not about ownership. But if when you created the hazard, you had the right to do it, later you're mafkarit, you never meant to be mafkarit, atkadekach, to be chayv in the tashlumen. Again, this is Shitas Rabba, the Machloikas, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Kiva. In Mirza Shem, tomorrow we're going to learn a whole different way of learning the Machloikas by Rabbi Yisif. To be continued.